Previously on Gus Tulip, Private Dick. Meow. Gus was hired by the obnoxious Stops Fabulon. Marvelous times, yes, marvelous. To find the mysterious and preposterously sexy Bethany Muerte. Fetus. After spending some of the cash advance on his favorite vices, <sighs> Gus got to work, checking in with his number one informer, Pedro Beans. He masturbates to the sound of melting cheese. But let's waste no more time now and move right along. Hope you're ready. Here we go. <clears throat> it was the first Friday of the month at the Bukaki Dawn Retirement Refuge, and that meant unclean Johnny was coming over with his bag of custom dildos, vibrators, and butt plugs. Long-term resident Faye Palmet of Suite 13B was particularly excited, having bought a new backless floral ensemble for the occasion. But all that is beside the point right now. This is also not the tale of Danny Wombat, a failed taxidermist from Pensacola with a gammy leg, who found a lifetime's worth of discarded birthday cards, all addressed to a man named Fritz, in the dumpster behind the donut shop where he worked. There were 403 of them. Happy birthday, darling. Congratulations. Trees is made of wood. Spanning 64 years. Hip, hip, hooray. Enjoy the adult nappies. And many more to come. Written by 112 different people. Party on, rock star. Much health and happiness. God, I wish I hadn't stopped drinking. I like doo-doo. But almost half the cards were from only three women, each named Elizabetta. Danny would end up meeting all three Elizabettas, falling in love with one, buying an alpaca farm with the other, and crippling the third in a sledding accident that may or may not have been planned. But alas, that is Danny's story and not ours. Instead, we rejoin Gus as he continues to navigate the epileptic landscape of international intrigue and chunky mayhem. In case you forgot, his name is Gus Tulip and he's a dick, a private dick. Gus is hot on Bethany Muerte's trail. Or maybe hot is a bit of a stretch. More like kinda warm. Let's say the temperature inside an attached wooden leg. While a contact at the Bureau of Advanced Metadata Intrusion and Collusion, or BAMIC, looks into a tip Pedro Beans provided, Gus has several other leads to keep himself busy with. He's on a tight deadline, in fact, and can't waste any time. But unfortunately, he has just downloaded all six seasons of Gossip Girl and cannot leave the house before binge-watching the first three. Mostly on speed. Unable to sleep, 
He then spends an hour wondering which of his childhood friends that he hasn't seen in years might have died in the meanwhile. A half hour trying to guess the number of times he has attempted to drink from a bottle with cap still on, and conversely, tried to unscrew the cap from an already opened bottle, and a few minutes resenting having become a guy who puts fruit in his savory salads. Moving on to yesterday's paper, a headline reads Deadly tomatoes batter southern US states. Oh, wait. God, he really needs to fix his eyes. <sighs> Finally, on a Tuesday afternoon that feels a lot like a Sunday morning, Gus enters the chubby quiche. The cafe where Dops Fabulon claimed to have seen Bethany Muerte after she supposedly flew back to Italy. <laughs> With dirty walls and a fair dose of charm, it's a lively establishment, positively bubbling with conversation. The scab, I pulled off my scalp, had legs. She cries for dead snails. <laughs> Underneath, not overneath, this is what I say. Wrong shade of orange. <laughs> Gus makes his way past the bar, <laughs> through the dining area, and onto the terrace, where he nabs one of the last free seats. At the table beside his, Brad Habits and Paloma Reed are on a date. Brad is excellent at getting away with saying, that's fascinating, now and again, to women, while not listening to them at all. He only ever has unprotected sex, as a rule, but makes up for it by always wearing a condom when jerking off. Mm -hmm. He sits there, fighting the urge to escape to the bathroom to take and send a dick pic to someone, anyone, using his new app, Pecker Framer Professional Suite, available wherever you get your apps. Use code TULIP101 for 20% discount, that's TULIP101 for 20% off. Paloma is a long-legged gal who often wonders what happens to the single ants she sees in cars that have driven many miles away from picnic spots. She likes wearing all red to white parties and walking across tree trunks that have fallen over streams, but her absolute favorite thing in the world is putting folded napkins under table legs to stop them from wobbling. Unfortunately, Theirs was level and totally secure upon arrival. I am a man of your word. Oh, he's desperately prolific. At the small table to the left, eating alone, is Verlenka Bell, a 43-year-old Russian woman from Northern Australia. Verlenka has the distinction of being the person who has swum obliviously by the ends of box jellyfish tentacles the most times by the smallest margins. On 12 occasions, to be precise, she could easily have ended up dead, while tens of others have in fact been killed 
or maimed after single short dips in the sea taken on a whim. It might interest you to know that Al Yonana, a 51-year-old American man living in Panama, shares a similar distinction, having stood closest to the head of a fur de lance the most times without being bitten. Others, who took a single false step on the first day of a tropical holiday, have not been as lucky. Injected with the viper's complex hemotoxin, limbs have suffered the ravages of necrosis and hearts have seized up to beat no more. But that aside was just for comparison, and L is connected in no other way to the scenery of our plot. Back on the terrace, at the table behind Verlenka's, two men are in minute 12 of a four-day argument about the ears of a deer. And at the wobbly table beside theirs, the most annoying person Fumiko Laru has ever met is telling her in stunning detail about the most annoying person he has ever met. But of course, Gus is totally unaware of these facts. He only knows what he can see, sense, and process in the lazy matinee of the here and now. As he watches and listens, hunting for clues and seeking out anomalies, he can only note various details, for example, about the two women sitting at the table across from his. One, wearing layers of grey, has a small mouth that looks transplanted from another face, and smiles as if making fun of someone else's smile. The other, short, thin, and bookish, and dressed modestly, gives the impression of being someone's daughter rather than a self-determined individual. <laughs> she has the type of face you struggle to remember even while still looking at it. <laughs> at the adjacent table are five men. One looks very much like a guy who might kill a friend in a poorly thought-out prank that goes terribly wrong. Another's face seems permanently stuck in that awesome moment when it sees itself on the Jumbotron. <laughs> and another surely has a dedicated barber only for his pubes. <laughs> Is there anything sadder than a bunch of middle-aged men all out together, as they are every week, settling for one another and for the bland beer that makes them fatter daily? For filling that space so readily with the same conversations, the same tired jokes and repeated high fives, when they must know that for years already, life has plateaued at a level well below any distant bygone peak, and that the steep descent will soon start in earnest. Is there anything sadder than a... Oi, oi! You alright? Welcome to Vakish! I'm Stumpy, and I'll be your waiter today. Don't know if you've ever been here before, but just to remind you, here at the Chubby Kish, we specialise in economy class aeroplane food, but 
served down on, on the ground, and dishes that is fit for leathery small intestines. Also, heavy stews served on flimsy napkins and leftovers of the food you haven't ordered yet. But allow me to tell you today's specials. For starters, we have a lovely bucket of tough old beef and gristle in broth with soggy crouton. That comes with a duo of unfresh spinach. We are also serving a bowl of spaghetti made up exclusively of noodles three elderly ladies try to slurp up into their mouths but then clumsily bit off back onto the plate. Two dessert specials today. First, a classic eggshell mousse with grape stem, cherry pit and split curd. And secondly, only this week, because of the fleeting seasonality, we are ecstatic to be serving a proper grondel of lime caught limes. Of course, you must try our signature velvety mashed potatoes littered with fish bones especially selected to get stuck in your throat. We send scouts to all the major fisheries sourcing only the most pointiest of produce. And if you're proper hungry, I can highly recommend the crusty maritime platter at only 99.89 excluding taxes and surcharges. It is very special. So, you get one whole lobster tail shell and half an empty claw, a squid tentacle that washed up on shore last week, still not entirely rubbery, and preserved perfectly afterward in formaldehyde. Then the slobbery leftover soup from three kilos of Moules Mariniere, eaten just yesterday but never refrigerated. An enormous helping of steamed shrimp legs and antennae, drizzled with garupa scales and muscle beards. 12 desiccated corn husks and all the fish bones you can jam into your gums. After that feast, only one question could possibly remain. Exactly how much monkey hair do you want in your creme brulee? <laughs> now Gus isn't really hungry, so he just orders a medium brackish grey water with plastic straw guaranteed to float to the top and settle horizontally on the surface. Then he starts asking questions. And wouldn't you know it, it's his very own waiter that provides the only intel worth pursuing. Stumpy suggests he talk to a man sitting inside, a regular by the name of Benson Carew. If anyone knows anything, Benson will. So that's precisely what Gus does. But first, let's pause here for a second, because... This program is brought to you by... Lafayette and Stone Financial Advisors. We not only know charts, we know graphs too. Lafayette and Stone. We put the douche in fiduciary. And 
by nutrition source. Nutrition source. Put it on anything and it gives you nutrition. Even your neighbor's old hats. Now in convenient gallon tub with easy pour spout. And lastly, this program is also brought to you by Pecker Framer Professional Suite. Pecker Framer. Your unwanted dick pics have never looked this good. You narcissistic fuck. Available wherever you get your apps. Use code TULIP101 for 20% discount. That's TULIP101 for 20% off. Okay, we are back. And also back inside the restaurant. He just wants to be not respectable. Ooh. I've never ever seen this before. <laughs> As it turns out, Benson Carew, aged somewhere between 28 and 82, is as the crow flies, half South African, a third Canadian, and a sixth Corsican, but with strong Ayurvedic, funkadelic, bulimic, and megatronic roots. Benson smells a touch of open sore. Sitting there, palms on tabletop, he wears a persistent look of exasperation, as if he's constantly being asked to hold the door for someone rushing to enter his apartment building, while not knowing if that person actually lives there, though he really should by now. Anyway, Benson Carew is happy to chat, as long as Gus keeps topping up his liver parfait mojito. And the man certainly has a way with words. I was very depressed when my sister died. Not because of it, mind you, but at the time I heard, and the six months prior, just sitting in my underpants in front of the TV, watching Ellen eating Marmite straight from the jar. <laughs> Ach, I'd built such strong fortresses with the sorrows I'd collected through the years. But you don't want to know about my predicaments, hey? You want to know about the lady. About Muerti. Well, lucky for you, my brew. I know a little something about her. And now, you can know about her too. <coughs> Benson smiles weirdly behind his hands, like a Singaporean girl using a toothpick. But let me start at the beginning. <coughs> yeah, her name wasn't Bethany Muerte back then. It was Gail Gabarone. We were two of the 16 recruits invited to attend the prestigious Fungus of Babylon program for cunning youths, or Fububuki, which was understood to be an entry point for a life of international espionage. I started strong as a villabies, but soon found out I wasn't cut out for it and dropped out to begin my career as an incompetent puppeteer. I made the decision after the midterm exams. We were split into groups and made to solve problems while observed by squirrels, and I could not perform. I won't go into detail, but the lingering memory is one of cowardice and prolonged constipation. Gus studies Benson's visage once more. 
Now, it speaks of a man who has spent an unpleasant evening wearing clothes soaked in another man's urine. Anyways, during those first weeks, I had the chance to spend time close to Gail, in the field and in the dorms, learning a great deal about her. At all times, her face seemed perched on the precipice of great knowing laughter, while simultaneously also warning of some grave impending doom. She had the wholesome look of a farmer's daughter, innocently stirring a big iron pot on the stove barefoot. Yet, just being near her sometimes made you feel like you'd been stabbed in Alaska in the winter and were lying in the snow, alone, waiting to die, unsure only if the bitter cold or jagged wound would ultimately secure your damas. I remember, she planted special broad-leafed ferns outside her bedroom, so the drops would sound nicest when it rained. She slept on floors, as comfortably as dogs do, and her farts smelled like freshly baked bread. She kept expensive things in cheap bags, cheap things in expensive boxes, and insisted on fine dicing all the vegetables for the chili with a machete. Said it tasted wrong if you used another knife. Yeah, one could not help falling in love with her. And I guess I did too. Though love is a word abused. A impractical, oppressive word that tries to cash post-dated checks. <laughs> in love as in puppetry, strings is always getting tangled. Wherever you go, there is ants dragging earthworm pieces back to nests. Benson picks his belly button and sniffs it long and hard. After I left, things got dark for me for a while. I used to go for a close shave at the Sicilian barber around the corner and insult the guy's mother relentlessly while under the straight blade. That was my Russian roulette. I was disgraced for quitting the program and didn't keep in touch with the fungus gang. But I heard Gail went down with foot and mouth disease soon after, as if one or the other wasn't enough. I lost track of her after that. So imagine my surprise when I saw Gail here at the quiche after all that time. I recognized her right away. Her buttocks is still blurry, ridiculous. Buttocks. buttocks. She, on the other hand, did not recognize me, but maybe that's to be expected, given the eight surgeries I've had since to look exactly like a upper-class Austrian woman who have spent five decades in her home tanning bed and then had three facelifts and one botched rhinoplasty. As he listens, Gus notices a rather large spider hiding in the petals of the dahlias on the table between them. It seems to have only seven eyes. 
with the painful memories and the bad blood and all, I chose not to approach her. I just observed and listened, bathing once more in that magical voice. <laughs> and I think you will be very interested to know, she was not alone. She was with a man, a rather distinctive chap in fact. There was just something weird about the guy. And not only that his one eye was smaller than his other eyes. He was well built, wearing a loose tank top and had the word slut tattooed in large letters down his right arm, opportunist down his left and Macarena smack bang on his forehead. When motioning to the waiter for the check, he signed his entire signature carefully in the air, no quick tick or squiggle. He even dotted the eyes. From what I could tell, his name rhymed with juice box. Now I didn't catch everything they were saying because halfway through a woman sat between us and started practicing her saxophone. But I know they were working on something together. A special project of some kind. And I'm pretty sure it had something to do with the unusual inventions convention. They mentioned that more than once. Maybe even more than twice. And now, if you'll excuse me, I ordered a gruntle of lime court limes. And I'm the type to enjoy my gruntles alone. The seven-eyed spider retreats back into his flower. Hmm, the unusual inventions convention. Looks like Gus has plans for the weekend, after all. But that outlandish tale belongs to the next episode. So be sure to tune in again. <laughs> This has been a Cantor Loop production. <laughs>